0: over 1.2 billion people on the planet at the moment do not have any form of identity solution. None, not even, not a birth certificate, not certainly not a passport. Uh, and they're not just restricted to developing and third world countries. You know, they, they exist in first and second world countries as well.
1: On today's Tech Talks, we're talking to Alex Tai, the CEO of Block Biosciences, and we're discussing the need for a self-sovereign identity solution. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some news and opinion. Today, I am joined by Hayley for our episode. How are you?
2: Hello, all good. Thank you. How are
1: you? Yeah, all right. All right. As everyone knows from our last episode, you've had COVID. You sound brighter.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm a hundred times better now. So I've got... I got let off lightly with it, so i'm I'm pleased with that obviously, there's a lot of people who get it so much worse, so you still
1: didn't feel good for for a good number of days,
2: yeah, very true. there was a, the first week I was a bit oh rough, but um after that first initial rough feeling it was it kind of just breezed through it.
1: It's funny uh with the pandemic, I find myself asking really stupid questions like uh over the weekend I watched World War Z. I kind of sat there and, and thought to myself well I wonder what the uh, the R rate is of that
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that one zombie on
1: eats about 100 people I mean the R rate has got to be high right
2: the, that rate is is extremely high you wouldn't <laughs> want to be caught in the middle of that the rate would be going up flying through the roof
1: oh man it's like we watched Contagion earlier in the lockdown and it's yeah. at one point in Contagion their R rate is like four point something and, me and my wife just looked at each other and went wow they are fucked <laughs>
2: Yeah, like, I'm not being funny, if it was like anything like that, World War Z, there would be no one recording the R8. No,
1: that's very true. (laughs) It's it's hilarious though, because Contagion, we watched it years ago and Hayley thought it was a really boring, Hayley, my wife, thought it was a really boring film. And now it's really interesting because it's all yeah. about like the doctors and the science. And it's like, we watched the first time. It's like, ah, we just want to see like disease and societal breaking down. Now it's like, ooh, doctors, this is like briefing, but Hollywood style. <laughs> really sad. Really anyway. Do
2: that doesn't happen. Those yeah, programs know, know. are a bit like, oh.
1: I know, <laughs> I know. Um, also, by the way, have you seen that London are going to trial the first 24 hour um COVID vaccine centers.
2: Oh yeah, that's in the news today, wasn't it? Ah. Twenty
1: four hour. Does that mean like three o'clock in the morning? You can be like, right, fine, I want to get I wanna get vaccinated. I'll turn up at three. I'll turn up at
2: Oh, really oh, I wouldn't be up for that.
1: Well it won't be the over eighties, will it? Because they're all tucked up in bed by about eight o'clock in the evening. They have to get settled.
2: What's so we go out in. we'll all be allowed out. You have to go out for a drink and then end up getting a vaccine.
1: Oh you're not allowed to drink though, are you? You've got it, isn't it? You've got to you've got to go teetotal for 72 hours before and then two weeks after really
2: Interesting. yeah mm, that'll be a problem
1: january. If it. well no <laughs> but january is not that it's just, sorry january is the time to do it because everyone's doing dry january so they yeah. won't feel uh, put put out by mm. it um anyway talking Ooh. of vaccines today's episode is with alex tai who's the ceo of block bioscience who are bringing a self-sovereign identity solution to the market so uh totally topical uh, totally following on, obviously, from our conversations last week and a video that I stuck out on my Instagram chat about this. So um, yeah, have a listen and we'll be back with one or two thoughts afterwards. On today's show, I am talking to Alex Tai. Alex, you're the Chief Executive Officer of Block Bioscience, which as I understand is part of Block Solutions. Is that is that correct?
0: That's correct. And uh, great to speak to you today, Dave. Uh, look, thanks for giving up some
1: time uh, just before Christmas and the new year, you were in fact in brazil so you 've despite coronavirus in fact because of coronavirus, you have been traveling around the world trying to trying to bring a solution that might help people right
0: yeah that's absolutely correct um, we've been working on a very interesting proposition that, uh, um, that we provided for. Uh, the Brazilian government uh, providing an, an identity solution to the entire Brazilian population. Uh, so I'd love to talk to you about that.
1: When you say an identity solution, what what exactly do you mean by that? Uh, because I suppose it's one of, it's one of those subjects, isn't it, that that always provokes a small amount of. Um, Consternation, kind of, you know, when when identity cards were suggested by the government, I remember, kind of, maybe ten years or so ago, it was it was kind of a deeply unpopular uh, policy at the time. But in the current circumstances, something that people might kind of see the benefit from, right?
0: Identity solutions um, um, are controversial, and there are very many parts to them, as you rightly point out, uh, David. The, the The more insidious or uh, uh, the parts of it that people worry about are the ability um, for governments or uh, nefarious um, entities to track you, uh, and then to use your identity as a means to um, uh, to prosecute you or um, or target you uh, with things that you may not want to be targeted with. Um, and also, uh, there is. You know, some, there's a lot of mistrust on, on many different entities about how uh, that's identity and then the way that people might market to you or use that information against you might be provided. So anonymity is something which has been, I guess, the baseline for most people's comfort. I'd rather people didn't know me or didn't know where I am. Having said that, there are times when it's absolutely required for you to be able to prove who you are. Um. And, you know, that, that's a basic right. It's a basic right of uh, an individual as a citizen of the planet. And it's an unfortunate thing, Dave, that um, over 1.2 billion people on the planet at the moment do not have any form of identity solution. None. Not even, not a birth certificate, Not certainly not a passport. Uh, and they're not just restricted to developing and third world countries. You know, they, they exist in first and second world countries as well. Um, you know there are there are many homeless people um, uh, for whatever reason uh, that because they don't have a permanent resident address can't prove who they are because most people's identity is tied to a residency uh, uh, position to be able to prove who they are and where they live where they're citizens of um, and therefore they don't have access and they become excluded not just to um, social welfare and government support if there is government support in in the countries they're in. But also financial inclusion. So, as much as identity can be used and people are more and more uh, wary about it, it should be provided. It's a basic right for everyone, but it has a basic right for everyone. The people um, in governments um, and in society should, we have a right, uh, we have a duty to try and provide that in a way which is as um, privacy protecting. As possible so that it can't be used against the individual so you should be able to prove who you are but you should also be able to withhold whatever information that's attached to your identity to be used as you see it um, as you want to use it
1: so so you make the point there that there are what 1.2 billion people who can't prove who they are and that there's a there's a duty to provide um, documents uh, and, you know, you you very clearly articulate the case for self-sovereign um, passports, potentially health passports, identity solutions. What is the technology innovation here that makes that possible that's different from, say, giving someone a physical passport with a biometric piece of, of, of kit on it that, that allows you to go through an e-gate? What What is the step change that's allowing you to do this in a way that people can go, aha, this works for me, and I don't feel so nervous about some of the traditional issues perhaps around this
0: so i don't think i really did explain yes but you know i will um put it the the point being that i believe and there are certain organizations around and um, including our own organization of block bioscience uh, that believe that you should everyone has the right to a self-sovereign identity solution everyone on the planet and what is self-sovereign self-sovereign is an identity solution that you control yourself and the tech uh leap forward um, that um, Block Bioscience has made has been able to build that. And it's a very difficult thing to build. Because if you have an identity solution, which is completely in your purview, then the third party will say, well, hang on a second, you could have made that up. <laughs> you could just identity you could call yourself whoever you want, you know, today, because it was only in your control. And you know, so it's the attestation, it's the verification um, of that. And it's been able to do that Without your personal identifiable information leaving your purview, so how do you how do you prove who you are without showing someone who you are? <laughs> so that's the that's the chicken and egg uh, situation, and we've managed to do that. Um, there is an ident- identity organisation called ID twenty twenty. Uh, they're World Health Organization backed, and also a, a very relevant organisation at the moment called Gavi, uh, which is the global. Association for uh, for vaccination, they're aiming to vaccinate uh, over a billion people uh, for COVID uh, over the uh, over the coming years. This organisation and ID2020 Gavi and ID2020 firmly believe that the way um, that identity should be provided for the use of vaccination in this that um, limited um, um, case for Gavi should be self sovereign, and that's been really difficult. They've been advocating this for the number of years but no one has been able to provide an identity ID uh, because of this difficulty in providing this. We had to provide, uh, we are now certified, ID2020 certified. Block Bioscience is the first and only um, identity solution uh, that provides for an immunity passport or a health passport or a um, a freedom pass uh, for vaccination or testing, uh, which is ID2020 certified. And we had to pass um over 43 different technical um tests that were really difficult and some huge organizations and I'm a I'm a director of the Global Blockchain Business Council. I know a lot of these large organizations. The Global Blockchain Business Council we support ID2020 and what it's trying to do. A lot of these large organizations have not been able to create an ID2020 certified platform because they can't change the platforms they're on. You almost have to, you have to design it from scratch in my view. Uh, it's difficult to do it uh, otherwise. And we were able to do that. So the advantage that we had is that we came into COVID having an understanding of what it took to create one. But then when COVID came along and we saw that there was a requirement to provide an ID t- um, solution to attach to a vaccination certificate um, or a um, or a test um, test certificate, we were able to design it from scratch and we're able to get that cert- um, build that over a period of months and have that certified in September of this year.
1: I suppose there's an interesting question. Brazil, if we take that example, if, if, if you're successful in, in rolling this out in Brazil, the Brazilian population is, what, 250 million, something like that?
0: 210 million.
1: 210 million. Okay, forgive me. Um, a lot of those people won't understand blockchain, right? And you're talking about a self-sovereign um, health passport. Uh the data in a blockchain solution isn't held centrally it's held across a number of different nodes but that's quite that's not kind of a, a necessarily an easy concept for everyone to understand yeah. um and and i suppose when privacy is so so important how do you get across to people that their data isn't being held by the government centrally and that it it is something that that is truly theirs in this solution as opposed to, to some some other kind of solution on a more traditional kind of technology basis?
0: It's a really good question, and it's our contention, and this is what we've been talking to the Brazilian government about, that it would, it's absolutely going to be required to have a uh, an education um, uh, program running alongside this to make sure that people are aware um, of how protected they are, that their privacy is completely protected. And it's the difference between... Um, and i think i've said this before uh, to you dave it's the difference between can't and won't so you know if you say to someone i won't divulge your information then you have to trust them um and you know trust is built over a period of time and blockchain is actually a really good thing to build trust it's a trust accelerator but it's not completely 100% bulletproof which is actually one of the reasons although we are blockchain experts you know in you know block solutions we actually haven't used um, a protocol, a blockchain protocol for the storage of data, because there is a risk. So, the one of the reasons that you know we've made a technological advance, advance with what we're doing is that we've used other systems, and we've kept there are there is no um, uh, departure. There is there is no information which leaves the phone. So there is no blockchain file for this. There are registries uh, for other elements that we might use for for different attestations. Um, But for the individual, what we can say to the individual is no information will leave your phone. And not just that we won't provide that um, personal identification to anyone else. We can't. So it's the difference between won't and can't. We can't give anyone else your information. It can't uh, uh, be, um, there's no central database that can be broken into because we have no ability to do that. So you don't need to trust us. We can't give your information to anyone else. And that's part of the information that we'll provide. So um, it's local storage on the phone. It's local storage, not um, centralized or blockchain storage of information. And yes, we we do believe in blockchain. But even now, there is risk in centralized blockchain storage of information. So we don't ask for people's name. We don't ask for people's address. We don't ask for um, what ethnic... A uh, uh, minority or um, generality they they will come from, so they have no reason to fear that we can provide that because we don't have it. Now the attestations of whether they are that person uh, can be provided by uh, a unique piece of uh, IP that we have in our anonymous handshake. So a border um, a border guard or a security guard or the uh, the um, uh, <laughs> The employee of a, a large factory that wants to make sure it 's their employee that's entering um, uh, a workplace can attest themselves in person with that person and verify uh, with through an anonymous handshake that the the carrier of that mobile phone with the block pass solution on is that person but they don 't need to hold any of that information, which is fantastic because because of gdpr requirements and HIPAA requirements in in the states and in Brazil through the very very um good and comprehensive data laws that they've put in very recently they're not you no know, the companies aren't allowed not allowed to hold that information so actually one of the most convincing things that brazil uh, came across was they they loved the fact that this was completely compliant uh with brazilian laws because it can't transgress them it's impossible for it to transgress them which made it very easy and we didn't have to sign a contract to say we won't do this because we can't
1: now there is some obvious benefits to government uh, and business in terms of a, of a self-sovereign identity solution, especially when it comes to the individual being able to prove whether or not perhaps they've had a vaccine, or if we think back to the US election and all the consternation over whether or not it was fraudulent or not, you know, baseless claims, but I suppose it'd be very easy to prove your identity when you showed up to a polling booth with with something like this. Um, but for the individual, what what are the benefits? Because those those might not be immediately as apparent to people, I suppose going forward beyond just the pandemic.
0: Sure, it's really, and and it's a question of making things simple. So um, this is basically can be it's an identity solution, and then the move the very which is privacy protecting. So that's the first thing we need to get to. Okay, so this is me. This is me being able to prove um, it's me. But it's also the it's the freedom of access. It's the freedom pass. Uh, that provides uh, this provides for. and it's the ability because it's on your phone and if there's anything that you know that we know once we get up and we've you know we've've we've, you know we, we've we take our phone into the bedroom and then it's one of the things that we uh, that we take with us as we leave the bedroom and it comes around with us every day until we put it down next to our bed. So you know this is where your identity solution is resident on your phone, your personal electronic device, you know as as it's provided. And now not only have you got that identity solution, but on it, you um, connected to that identity solution, you have a freedom pass. So if people are saying, we need, before you come into our country, for you to attest that you've had a vaccination, or that we need you to attest that you've had a, um, a test, for example, at the moment, a PCR COVID test within 72 hours of arrival, we attach that attestation to your identity. So when you rock up at the airport and want to check in, you can show your, um, uh, your identity solution and say, here's my test. And the fact is that you know, we will make sure that we, we are able to convince, and this is what we're working with ground handling agents and airlines at the moment, to make sure that we, and, and IATA, the International Airline Travel Association, to make sure that we're providing enough verification that the airlines can accept that identification and that verification of a vaccination or a test, so that when they fly them to the other end, they're not refused entry. So that we coordinate that. And that's where the, the hard work that goes on behind the scenes. So the real-time advantage for the individual is not just, oh, now I've got an identity solution. Well, so what? You know, people don't ask me who I am every day. Well, when you're crossing a border now, not only do they want to know who you are, well, you need a passport, but they also will want to know whether you're free of, um, uh, of COVID. And this is this is the advantage. And it's not just the borders of countries it's the borders of factories, it's the borders of hospitals, it's health, um, it's care homes, any number of different settings where uh, the owners of those spaces or the operators of those spaces want to have a digital perimeter that they can protect from COVID.
1: Let me just pose one last final question that perhaps is slightly more contentious. I can understand how a fair-minded and liberal government sees this as a positive thing, but if we think about WeChat in China, they quite like the fact that they have Control as a state over that technology. And dissidents in China are blocked from WeChat, and then all of a sudden they can't work, they can't operate in society, etc. A self sovereign identity solution and a blockchain solution would appear to be the antithesis of that and and would be the, the thing that a government would go, this this is fair, this is this is giving power back to to our population, to our people. Is that always in the best interest of government, though, in the 21st century? Is that a difficult... Is that sometimes a, uh, an argument that you have to make?
0: So you're absolutely correct. It is. Um, and I, you know, this is a very important debate. I, I would argue that um, some of these countries, and we always seem to blame China and Russia and some of these other uh, yep, countries yep. for it, but they provide decentralised systems already. When the Chinese government provides a passport... That's a decentralized instrument, you uh, know. Um, uh, you know, prior to them being chipped, <laughs> um, they leave the country. They don't know where that Chinese citizen goes <laughs> beyond uh, beyond that because it's not tracked. It's a decentralized instrument provided by the government. Now, um, we know that in China there are certain uh, um, there have been certain instruments used for uh, for the control of COVID, but that have been much more invidious they've been much more intrusive you know to privacies they've been very effective they've trampled all over the civil liberties but those civil liberties didn't exist in the first place but we wouldn't say i wouldn't say that that china and other countries and i don't want to pick on china because they do some really good things as well yes, um, yeah. is is that there would be no reason why they wouldn't want to provide this as well as so they could ratify this situation they could ratify a a um, a, a block bioscience um, uh, um, health pass. They may want to continue to have other systems uh, where, where they can um, look at what their, um, their their population is doing, but there's no reason why they won't be able to provide this as well. Um, so that when that, um, when that Chinese citizen or that Russian citizen or whichever citizen or North Korean citizen is moving around inside uh, Europe or, in, um, or inside uh, uh, the States or anywhere else in the world, that they can use that there because they may want to be able to move around everywhere. And the other thing is that if people are moving to China and China is uh, requesting that particular information is provided, it allows, it allows that country to become a global, um, remain a global nation, because if there is a pattern or an acceptance of a particular type of attestation to a, a vaccination or a testing scenario, which is accepted by IATA, then China probably wants to accept it as well, as does Russia. So that allows not only for their citizens to travel abroad, but also for um, commerce and visitors and tourists, importantly, for any nation. Uh, are able to travel to it and that those um, those tourists and those um, commercial executives do not feel threatened by the invidiousness of a particular identity solution which might be forced on them otherwise uh, to protect them from COVID because every country from now on is going to want to have some sort of protection from COVID via some sort of attestation to a vaccination or a test.
1: Look, I think what we're talking about here is... is is Obviously, su- super relevant given what's going on in the world. So, so I can I can only hope that what you're doing in Brazil goes well and that those two hundred and ten million people get the benefit of of a self sovereign uh, solution. The the app that you're developing it's to block pass, block ver block verifiable, block pass. Just make sure I get this right.
0: No, it's it's block pass and block verify. So the block pass um, element is the individuals. So that's what you and I will carry around with us and be able to go on a bus to, into the supermarket. And if, you know, if we're asked on the way into the bus or the supermarket, are you free of COVID? You can, you don't need to, you know, you don't, you you show a green barcode, which can be scanned uh, and right. it's completely self-sovereign. They don't need to do who you are, where you live, but you're free of COVID. And it's been attested. That's that's the simplest use of it. That's the block pass. If you are the um, uh, uh, the bus driver or conductor, or you're um, manning the border perimeter of your um uh, your supermarket you have the block verify app and this is what you use as the thing to read the um, uh, the uh, the qr code um, of the block pass and say yeah that personally actually does exist um, and this is a verified block pass so it verifies the pass they do exactly what they are one's a pass and the other one's the verification uh, method what is important to say is that the verify block verify can be used uh, by companies where what they want to do Say you have a um, uh, you know, Sainsbury's, you know, for example, in the UK, 200,000 employees. But what they want to do is know where those people are. If if someone has um, um, not taken the vaccination or if someone has a, um, a breakout, you know, you can use this to report symptoms of having COVID or and show people, you want to know where they are. And what the uh, employer may want to do is ask that employee, please, can you tell us where you are I mean, we don't even know who you are, but where you are, um, so that we can track and protect this particular Sainsbury's outlet. We can do that, um, but that means that we break ID 2020 requirements because we're providing information, even if it's anonymized. So mm-hmm. that then becomes a non-ID 2020 situation where we're providing data, but we still tell the individual when we're providing that data. So every time it's scanned. Are you happy to provide your data to this person? Yes. So, again, it's in the purview. So the verify application is not ID2020. It's not um, completely privacy protecting. The block pass will always be privacy protecting, and it's then nice. your information that's provided to go across there. You then make the choice whether you want to go into that place of work, that supermarket, that country, and then provide that information that's there to, um, to whoever's um, asking you for that information.
1: And as a as a final point of reference, if anyone's interested, if anyone listening is interested in in the service, how would they find out more about about Block Verify and, uh, and Block Pass? Uh,
0: very easy, blockbioscience.com. dot um, So you know, if you go to www.blockbioscience.com, uh, you'll find all uh, you need to know about the the Block Pass and the the Block Verify system. Um, and you know, we'd be delighted to provide uh, demonstrations of, of the applications. It's now in. Uh, the app store, the um, iOS and Android um, stores, and um, uh, and remember, it's block bioscience with a B L O K, so B L O K with the building blocks of uh, identity solutions. Alex, thank you very much for your time today. No, thank you, David.
1: So I put I put out an Instagram video that me and Jack Pierce did on Friday, and I asked um, people what whether or not they would want a vaccine passport. And so far, the majority is saying no which i can only assume is because people are worried about you know they look at what's gone on with track and trace and they look at the government's handling of stuff and they know kind of about identity issues and whatever else uh so in terms of data privacy issues rather than everything else and they kind of go i don't i don't want that but do you think listening to someone like alex you have a bit more reassurance that actually there is a technological way forward where it it it, it could help people get over that stigma against this
2: yeah I mean, the government's dealing with a massive shit sandwich, aren't they at the moment? so <laughs> which they make that, worse for themselves, yeah, and like if it's very hard to trust anything they do, um but yeah, when you listen to Alex, he does make you feel a bit more calm, reassured, like it's not a big deal, you're in charge of yourself, we aren't going to be shipping your data off to every old Tom, Dick and Harry,
1: yeah, well, he's um, got the whole bit, isn't it, where it's like won't and can't. And it's not a case of we yeah. won't share your data; we can't share your data. You know, the data exactly. is held on your phone.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. So, do you think it's more of a data issue?
1: What? Than... Why people don't want COVID? Yeah. Well, I think. I think. I think it's that whole thing about personal information that people don't like other people having about themselves. But I definitely, you know, he, he, Alex very eloquently talks about the fact that 1.2 billion people can't prove who they are, and actually you know i've i've got no problem having given the government my information to get a passport which i then hold so if you can give me a digital version of that book well what's the problem i obviously want to be able to prove who i am because i want to be able to go on holiday
2: mhm yeah no definitely and i think that's, that's actually like the future of of everything isn't it is our passports going to be electronic
1: well, they already are to an extent, aren't they? Let's face yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, they they've are. All got, they've all got, you know, when we go through an e-gate, it's housed in a in a physical a booklet, but it's a chip.
2: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I know. And I thought that was actually quite bizarre. Not bizarre, more shocking, actually, that there's, was it 1.2 billion that can't actually yeah. prove? Like, is it because they their residency, though? And it's so true. Like, why do you yeah. have prove by res- residency? It should definitely have an alternative Because like you say, they can't get the government support that they probably really need more than anyone.
1: And I do think it kind of goes to that, you know, he he talks about um, financial um, inclusion. And it goes to a greater piece, actually, I suppose, about if you own a house, you have a lot more um, security than if you don't. Even if you rent, trying to get a mortgage, it's ridiculous that your rental payments don't count towards whether or not you're you're given a mortgage or not in terms of your credit rating. Yeah. Um, everything is stacked in society against people who don't own a house, which is a massive issue for financial inequality. Um, and, and, and it speaks to this point that, you know, it's, it's not, when you think about 1.2 billion people, you immediately go, oh, it's probably I not Africa or something like that. And it's like, no, it's, it's homeless people in the Western world. It's people who can't prove residency. Um, and it's the same problem that when you've got someone who who immediately comes to the UK and they're trying to kind of get a foothold, you know, maybe someone from Portugal who comes over as a student and tries to get a job in a bar and they try to open a bank account and they can't prove who they are because they haven't got um a residential address. It is it is amazing how much of a barrier not being able to prove residence is in terms of proving who you are.
2: Yeah, I know and do you know what it's it's when you make that example of it. I mean, we've never, ever had been in that situation where we'd have to struggle to get something like that. But it would be really, really difficult. You physically can't do anything without an address. Yeah. Yeah. you're, You're stuffed.
1: I think it's really important to talk about the fact that he talks about the need for an education program alongside this. Yeah. Because it is not a simple solution to understand.
2: I agree. But I, I like.
1: That, I I had to listen to it a couple of times, and even when I was interviewing him, kind of really concentrate to be kind of on board.
2: Definitely, and I think this is a bit more complex. So I think that that will be really beneficial because the more people that understand, the more it makes sense, right? I mean, that's obvious. Um,
1: well, yeah, but at the same time, yes. But to your point, <laughs> if it if it's if it's hard to understand and people don't understand it, then probably more likely to be skeptical about it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I just think so many people have like a negative um, view on things just because they don't physically understand it enough. Um, and I think this goes for a lot of things. If things were explained better and you actually really had the education and, and, mm-hmm. and have been told about things properly, it would people would be way more open to things, probably a lot more trusting. But unfortunately, yeah. there's so many things that you get even misinformation or just not, not enough information at all. And you're like, oh, gosh, I'm not sure on that. And
1: it's, it's, it's it's you know it it leaves itself open to sensationalist bullshit. Basically, call it what it <laughs> is from like tabloid reporting. I remember seeing a story in the in the mail a while ago about how your car knows where you've been shopping, and it's like, oh, well, no. and what like when you when you spend money in the shop, your bank knows where you've been shopping. I mean, you're sharing <laughs> yeah. data left right. Your data points dropping everywhere. Exactly. But someone gets told that they, their, their, your car is spying on you, and immediately it's like oh because. It's not kind of people don't sit down and calmly explain stuff to anyone anymore.
2: I know, and do you know what? Like everyone, there's so many um, conspiracies about cashless society at the moment, yeah. and all that. And honestly, I can't deal with it.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's
2: just too many to keep up with.
1: Um, I, I do also like the point that when we when we think about uh, these these freedom passes, and we kind of think of passports. It's not just passports as in, I want to go to the Maldives or you want to go to Dubai or am I stereotyping there? Do you want to go to Dubai? I've
2: been to Dubai, but it's not it my first choice. But yeah. All right,
1: where do you want to go? Where do you want to go?
2: Oh, I want to go to Singapore and Bali.
1: Okay, cool. So you want to go to Bali, but it's not just that. It's, it's. I like the fact that he talks about a digital border around a company. Like, It is completely understandable that in the world post-pandemic mm. that... A company like ours, Harvey Nash, might go, we don't want to let you in unless you've got a QR code that says, I've got a vaccination, I've had a vaccination rather, and uh, and or I haven't got the virus. Yeah. Uh, and thinking about it in those terms, you then kind of go, how important it is, how important it might be rather to be able to prove exactly who you are when you need to prove who you are.
2: Yeah, I know. And I think this is this is a torn opinion, isn't it? Whether people are going to be happy with doing that or not whether they're going to be happy to prove that they had a vaccine. I think that this is a torn opinion as well. Would would you rather just have prove that you've had a negative test or would you rather have a vaccine?
1: Again, though, I don't think this comes down to those issues. You are perfectly happy to prove who you are when you're 18, 19 years old and you want to get into a nightclub with your mates. True. You have no problem showing your passport to someone and even letting a venue scan that passport. Yeah, you have no problem with it because True. you want to do the thing. And I think, I think there's an element of if people want to do the thing, they'll be okay with it. True. It's got more to do with that, I think, and an element, a big element of, well, do I trust the people who've got my data? You, you probably don't even think about it when you're going into a nightclub.
2: Mm. When it's it doesn't a bit more feel serious, like it's consequential. It's a bit more. Oh, not yeah. sure about that. Yeah, no, I think you're thinking do, right.
1: Do, do people have a problem proving who they are? Absolutely not. I think on that note, we'll take an advert break. Uh, and then when we come back, a very quick bit of news. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe could be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at HiloAthletics.com. That's H Y L O. We support the high-low movement. Right. This is this is less news today and more. Um, it, it was a consumer champions piece um, in the paper. So basically one of those letters when someone writes in and they've got an issue and they're asking for a bit of advice. But it kind of struck a chord with me because um, there's not really a huge amount to discuss here. It's just a kind of a reaction to it. Um, so let, let me explain anyway. A vulnerable person was cut off from landline and broadband for weeks. Talk, talk service was cut off when the road was dug up and open reach had not been fixed. So the, the article goes, it's a short letter. I'm writing on behalf of an 84-year-old friend who lives alone. Just before Christmas on the 21st of December, his landline and broadband both stopped working. And ever since, we've been trying to get him reconnected. It seems that the road, the road was dug up and the workmen managed to fix up mix up the phone lines. rather. All his landlines are going to another person's voicemail. We called his supplier talk talk and someone was sent out on New Year's Eve. We were told that the road will have to be dug up again, but nothing has happened. There is no one around who can help. I cannot create a support bubble with him as I have an elderly mother. He has no landline or internet for all of this time. And I've also contacted the local paper and local MP as I'm running out of ideas.
2: So basically they're shaming them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but you know what? It wasn't it wasn't even so much about that. It was just like
2: it is outrageous.
1: In the current circumstances, it just highlights how easily detached someone can become and how important now access to the internet is. Yeah. Um being online. And I know we know that, but when you hear a story like that from someone writing in about a real-life example of an 84-year-old who's on his own who's been Basically, without connection to the outside world and isolating because he's vulnerable for nearly a month, it just rams the thing home.
2: Yeah, and I, 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 I wouldn't like if that was your your loved one. It, in fact, it's anybody that's horrible. Like you've literally just been cut off, and so and they're not even acknowledging it, which makes it even worse.
1: Yeah, and let's hope that them writing a letter to a national newspaper. You know, the national newspaper can get a hold of the company and go, "What's going on?" Kind of a watchdog kind of thing. You know, a bit more clout if it's in print and millions of people are reading it.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that that's why there's such a big thing now about community, and and ever since this mm. happened, I think a lot more people are communicating on streets and stuff. So that's the only saving grace of that. But like you say, you've still got a shield when you're older. When you're older, so it's not good enough.
1: I and it makes, you know, the, the fact that the guy would form a support pool, but he's got his own elderly mother that he doesn't want to put at risk. It just, yeah. there must be so many tragedies like that going on up and down the country. And it's, when we're talking about all of this stuff, I think it's quite easy, especially at our age, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so I think there's like this sweet spot now where I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. My parents are getting on, but they're not elderly. They're mid sixties. They're certainly not vulnerable. My grandparents have died. Um, quite, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago. So I don't know anyone who's who's, um, like seriously old and vulnerable in that sense. So you kind of can get a little bit distanced from some of those stories. Mm. So I think it's quite quite useful sometimes to hear about a real life circumstance and just remember how hard this is actually being on people.
2: Yeah, and no, I think people definitely need reminding of that. Um, and I'm so, I'm actually glad that they've like name and shamed them. Good.
1: There we go. Uh, right okay I think we'll do for today's show we'll be back on Friday Hayley, thanks for the time and I'm glad you're feeling better Thank you don't